when, when we left the office in March of 2020, it was under the guise of, oh, we'll just go work from home for a couple of weeks and we'll be right back, right? After a couple of weeks, we realized this is not a couple of weeks. This is going to be a very long time. And what, what should we do? For us, the office was also a part of our culture, which was a really hard thing to navigate at first because I, I've created a space that feels very cozy, comfortable, home-like environment that people looked forward to coming to every day. So, and it allowed for a lot of communication and connectivity and like, you know, team building as well. So right away, we had to figure out how to duplicate that virtually, right? How do we create moments that feel like, oh, I just ran into you in the kitchen, in the office, and we're having a conversation. The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show, the home of Googleization Nation, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy shift going on in the world of business, technology, and HR. Here's your host, Ira Wolf. Hey, if it's Wednesday, it must be Geek Skeezers and Googleization Day. Welcome back, everyone, to Googleization Nation, and thanks for uh, listening, watching Geek Skeezers Googleization. How are you doing, Jason? Doing great. We're all doing well here at uh, the homestead in Indianapolis. My oldest son, Duke, has been playing baseball this summer. His tournament is starting this week. Oh, he got one of the top two seeds, so he's on a pretty good team. So we're in full baseball mode right now. Excellent. And that's good to hear because baseball in the fall, I mean, isn't it football? <laughs> isn't everything football? That's right. In terms of what I watch at home, but then I've got to go to the park and root on my son for sure. But <laughs> yeah. I'm in football mode already. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And so it's nice to be talking about those things again, because last year at this time, there weren't any of these activities and, and uh, we're certainly fairly an unusual time. And we are. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Hybrid workforce and hybrid, hybrid workforce and the hybrid workplace. And there's I'm not sure they're both on the same pathways in a lot of organizations. If you think about that, what what employers want and what employees want and then where is that going to happen and what does that look like and some of the consequences i've been doing a fair amount of interviews but we've got a we've got a great guest today we've got uh, farissa knox who has actually done this i mean she she had a she had a team of 27 people more traditional workplace 18 months ago and now they've they've transitioned and there is do have to show up for work but not as much as before and not everybody is there all the time. So we're going to be talking about what were some of the lessons she learned? How did, you know, how did it happen? What would she do differently? And, you know, certainly she's a smaller business, like 95% of businesses in this country are small businesses. And especially those in the professional services, which she is uh, advertising and marketing. How, you know, what's that, what's that going to look like? And, and where, where is it going? So it'll, it'll be fun. Yeah. So really before we get there, 
Jason, I mean, you know, you know, we've been talking about this every week. We talk about this in some form or fashion, whether it's last week we had Joram Solomon. It was great. We talked about trust in the workplace, but we've talked about recruitment and re- the experience in jobs and labor market. And I know I know from the, our exchanges during the week, we'll definitely be talking about women in the workplace again. We've had a couple of great guests on that, talk about the She Session. But there's there's a number of, you know, minutes before the show, I got something. But there, the trend is what, what I've described 20 years ago, which was the perfect labor storm. And the perfect labor storm landed. And the perfect labor storm sort of is almost the convergence of a tornado, torrential rains, an earthquake, and tornado. And, and, and the hurricanes all at the same time. Makes you think of the Sharknado movie. Absolutely. Yeah. That, yeah. For anybody who's familiar with that, all these things are converging at the same time. Roxy, if you can put up that map. Yeah. I put this together because, you know, everybody points to one thing. Oh, it's those millennials. It's Gen Z. Oh, no, no, it's skill gaps. No, it's the schools. No, it's wages. And I came up with talking about a perfect labor storm. I came up with 20 clouds. And I'm not sure. 20 is enough because I started to consolidate them, some of those. But, you know, even if we, as I have told a couple people, even if every one of these clouds represented 1% of the population that decided to withdraw or they're not up to speed on skill, on, on skills, or if they need to stay home and take care of elderly parents or child care, whatever it is. If every one of these only represented 1% of the working population, that would be 20, one fifth of the population, 20% is not available to work. It's crazy. Correct. So you can take that down and I, we can see Jason again. So these are just some of the statistics. And, and I want to put this in the background when, when we, again, when we start talking about hybrid work, because people are making decisions, either whether it's a VAX mandate or hybrid work or, or whether you show up, whether everybody's going to have to come back to the office or whether everybody can still work remote or the millions of variations that are probably in between those two. There's lots of considerations to make. But on top of that, in the background is, and I got to read these because I don't have time to measure them. These had just come up this morning. Labor participation rate in the U.S. is at the lowest point since the 1950s. Wow. So it's it's at 62%. And I know we've been talking about females in the workplace. It's Female participation rate is 52%, and it had been 60%. It hasn't been that low since the 50s and and probably the 40s. Google searches for hourly jobs are down 4%. But put this in context, warehouse and logistic jobs are up 336%. Pre-pandemic, not not since the pandemic started, Pre-pandemic, 336%. Hospitality jobs, 316%. On-demand jobs, 219%. Healthcare jobs, I'm I'm surprised it's this low, 129%. Retail jobs are up 35%. Grocery jobs are up 93%. The only jobs, and, and there's a few percentage jobs that are down, like restaurants, you know, many of them closed, they're, they're cutting back on staff, or people just don't want to work there for their wages. But they're only down a few percent. So, I mean, demand is huge for these. We're talking about the retail, you know, what the holiday seasons are, are going to be, uh, you know, whether people are working from home or remote or whatever. The demand has changed. So it, it's really crazy. And, and I, 
we can we'll come back after the after our break and we can close up talking about some of those things. But for today, uh, there was an article and I shared this with you. I shared it with my guest right before it just came out. I don't know when it came out. I just got the email. So I assume it just was released. It's from a Harvard Business Review. It's called Rethinking Back to Work. It says, as organizations tentatively plan how to get work done among, amidst the uncertainty of the coronavirus, leaders and employees are, are touting the benefits of flexibility. But here's the question. This is what we're going to talk about. What does flexibility at work look like in practice? And whatever option you choose, whether you decide to go remote, whether you try to go back to in person. I just saw an article yesterday. It said, even though people are putting pants on to go to work. Uh, don't ask what we got underneath, below the screen here. Uh, even though people are putting pants on to go back to work, they're still on Zoom calls at work. And I talked, we talked about this six months ago, a year ago. I said, when people come back to work, people will be a little fearful. They're not going to crowd into a room. There's still going to be people that don't come to work. There's going to be clients and customers that don't want to come to a workplace. Even if they feel safe, they don't want to do the drive. Is hey, I can talk to you on, on, you know, through a Zoom call or a screen call. And how, and then the final part of that, not the final part, but the, the next sentence was, and how can you know whether your team or organization is using it successfully? Okay. Love that. And, yeah. So we're going to talk with Farissa Knox. Uh, we're going to bring her on right now. She's got a great story. She's got, uh, she's, a, she's one busy person. Her company is RLM Media, which is an advertising and marketing company. Uh, she's got, uh, I love this, and we've got to talk about this. She's a producer. She's, her team is a, the production behind PR Girls, PR Girl. I'm just singular, right? <laughs> I'll let you talk about a lot of people, which is on Plex and Amazon Prime. So you are the first guest that I know out of 150, 160 some episodes that we've had that is actually a producer and, and on Amazon Prime. So excited about that. And, and you're an author. So welcome, uh, Farissa. Waiting to get you on the air for a while. <laughs> yes. No, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation with you guys. It's literally all the things that I care about and am consumed with a daily basis. So tell us, what did I miss out of that? I mean, you have you have a PR advertised marketing firm. Give us a little history of that and and then you know what happened in February, March of 2020. How did that rock your business? Yeah, yeah. So you didn't miss much. I have so RLM is my 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 booming business, I like to call it, right? Like that that company will be 13 years old actually in November of this year. So we've experienced a lot, right? COVID aside, it's been one of the bigger things, but we've gone through a lot of different things. So you started that in the last the last last recession, right? That's right. After, 2008. After 2008. Quick math, Ira, that was quick math, yes. <laughs> We started in 2008, literally got my papers the day Obama became our next president, right? Uh, and was on a real high. And I didn't know a lot of the stuff I didn't know, you know, that I was walking into entrepreneurship. But that was my first company. And, and here we are 13 years later, and we're a full service, integrated marketing, communications and ad agency. So we do a lot of different things from research to you know, campaign development to paid traditional media, digital marketing. And we really do, we tie it together in an integrated, a magical, unique way for each client based on what they want to accomplish in the market and who their, their target clients are or customers are. 
a few years into starting that, I, this is before I had my kids, I'd like to tell people that because it's like, I, I had all the free time in the world and I didn't realize I did. I thought, oh, I know how to start businesses. Let me just start a new one now. And so I started my production company called What Are You Wearing Productions? And at the time, it was meant to just be a digital platform where people who love fashion and style and beauty could come and devour content in that space, right? Whether it be editorial or a podcast, we had a podcast also, some videos. And as I understood that business model more and more, I realized I would have to raise millions of dollars to actually attract the eyeballs to the content that we were producing. And my money folks were like, shut this business down. It's bleeding and it's gonna hurt your thriving business. And like a true entrepreneur, I was like, okay, I hear you, but instead of shutting it down, I'm gonna hold on to the piece that is actually valuable. And when I spent time thinking what that was, it was the content. And I was like, wait, I'm a producer. <laughs> I didn't realize that really what I was after was the art of creation. Like, not just creating it, but the process and the organization of it and all of that. So at that point, I had made PR Girl, and that was our attempt to attract eyeballs. And so I held on to PR Girl, pivoted into a production company, understanding that now the content is how I'm going to generate revenue. And then, you know, worked with these different streaming distribution platforms to get PR Girl up there. And... Eventually, we will move into more of a traditional scripted space where my goal is to be the production company and creators behind TV shows that people are watching in 22, 23 and, and beyond. And yes, as you mentioned, I'm an author. I wrote a book about just my life in my 20s and advertising and marketing and dating. And I'm from New York originally. I live in Chicago, so I was still in New York at that time. And it's a fun coming of age story but as a black woman as the main character and with New York as a character as well. So that's me in a nutshell. And then 2020 hit, right? And I was like, oh my God, what are we gonna do? Because at the time, RLM was about half the size that we are now. So spoiler alert, COVID was actually great for my business. And I'll tell you why in a second, but we had about six or seven employees before COVID, I had come up with a plan that I called Operation Replace Farisa. I was really working, like most good business owners, eventually you need to come up with a process where it's not, you don't need to be there every day, where you're taking steps backwards out of the business. And I was finding great executive level talent to bring in, adding services to our team, which allowed for all that stuff I mentioned earlier. And then February 2020, really March for us is when it really started to feel it, right? And I had a decision to make at that time. Do I keep moving forward with all of my plans that I had put in place in 19? Do I pause because what is this COVID thing going to do to us, right? And I think like most people, the pause happened. Like we all pause. In real life, business life, we pause. But what I found is that maybe after eight weeks, the pause for a lot of people started to get lifted. And I was like, okay, well, let me lift my pause too then, because I can't, we can't afford to just sit still and wait for something to happen. So I decided to keep moving forward with all of my plans around bringing in top talent, 
expanding our marketing that we were doing for ourselves and telling the story of the business and the types of clients that we service and all that. What I didn't know at the time was that I we had the type of clients that were pandemic proof, right? And so now as business people, we understand that there's certain categories of businesses that not only were not affected you know, negatively, but saw a huge increase because of not just COVID, the virus or the vaccine, but all of the side effects, you know, that happened in life because of that. So for us, we were always in healthcare before COVID. We were always in recruitment before COVID. We were in financial services and we have other categories, but those three categories were the main ones that the world we could not afford to be in not in communication with our healthcare provider or understanding you know how to keep safe or where's our money or where's where's the money i need to go get or jobs right even education we're in higher ed a lot of our clients are either universities or in the higher ed space and education we found is one of those things that no matter what People are focused on how do I get ahead, right? And so an education is one of those ways. So because of that, we, our clients that we already had grew, they exploded. Then because we had been around so long, had this experience, had a good reputation, the new stuff that was born out of COVID came to us. And then because of my plan of operation to replace Farisa and grow, and, and really you guys will understand this, I was trying to build transferable value in my business. And with all of that combined, we just got an influx of new clients, growth from existing clients, great talent that bought new skills that allowed for us to you know, do more stuff for clients. And so that created a vortex of amazing that now we found ourselves through COVID from my house, doubled my agency, that up to 27 employees and really are having and experiencing our best financial year of our complete business history. So that that's that's us in a nutshell. Wow. There's a lot to unpack there. And I, and I know our focus today was hybrid work, but there's like a million other topics. So we got to get you back. I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on recruitment, especially with healthcare, which is a big part of our business, both of our businesses. And, and, and certainly from, from there. And also, you know, with education, you know, mm-hmm. certainly a lot of disruption there, but you're absolutely right. I, we had a great year and I know Jason had a, a good year too. And in his company through the last year, we're, we're grateful and, and, and we just happened to be in the right places. We, fortunately, we didn't have a lot of retail. We didn't have a lot of restaurants in, in, our, in our portfolio. And, you know, we're, we're literally double where we're not, not number of employees, but the size of the business. Has, has doubled. I also love the part that you talk about content creation. I often kid, people say, what business are you? And I said, I happen to be in content creation that just happens to be in the HR space. <laughs> because I'm, I'm, always, I'm always producing something. I'm writing, doing a video, doing an interview, doing media. And uh, some people have said, hey, you should go out and teach other people how to, to do that. But that's your business. <laughs> and, and I'll allow you to do that. Let's go back to hybrid work. So March turned up, you had half the numbers. So you had 13 or so employees at that point. They were coming into work. They were going to the traditional work. You're showing up. Uh, what what happened, you know, at that point? What were this? What was that like? And what lessons did you learn? If, you, if we could roll back the clock, would you keep and what would you do differently? 
Yeah, no, that's great. So yeah, when we left the office in March of 2020, it was under the guise of, oh, we'll just go work from home for a couple of weeks and we'll be right back, right? After a couple of weeks, we realized this is not a couple of weeks. This is going to be a very long time. And what, what should we do? For us, the office was also a part of our culture, which was a really hard thing to navigate at first because I, I've created a space that feels very cozy, comfortable, home-like environment that people looked forward to coming to every day. So, and it allowed for a lot of communication and connectivity and like, you know, team building as well. So right away we had to figure out how to duplicate that virtually, right? How do we create moments that feel like, oh, I just ran into you in the kitchen, in the office, and we're having a conversation or moments like sitting on a couch in like the natural sunlight that we have here in, in downtown Chicago, just like chatting it up, right? How do we do that? So we implemented weekly, like Friday afternoon Zoom calls that had nothing to do with work. So obviously we were doing all of our meetings over Zoom. For us, we're Google, so we were doing like Google Hangout and we were not allowed to talk about work. It was not a work call. We just got on there, People would be like literally walking around their house, holding their laptops, giving tours of their apartments because we had never seen everyone's house before, right? Or cooking lunch because lunch now was, I'm in my kitchen and I'm putting something in the microwave or I'm cooking. To when things got a little bit darker, where folks started to feel like really anxious and express, you know, hard, hard, thoughts about how they feel living at home by themselves because some employees are single and have no family and in the in city in the city and were living alone experiencing COVID alone and the only connection that they had with people was zoom so we would start talking about these real topics and then things around race and george floyd's murder and we were we were almost like each other's therapists on fridays and really bringing topics that otherwise might not have the time to get discussed at work. And I, we are a very open, honest workspace too of diverse, like diversity on every level. So the idea that we could have an open, honest conversation around George Floyd's murder, for example, as black employees, as white employees, as everything was very important to me. So that's how we maintain the culture of what it feels like to work at RLM, because that feeling of I'm heard here, I'm respected here, I can bring the things that matter to me to the table. Eventually, work got so much and we all got so used to working at home that we didn't need that anymore. And we phased it out and started to do stuff like Maybe we'll just be on Zoom together and not talking and just working, right? And I can hear the music playing in your house and we're just like doing emails, doing our thing. And then we, from there, we didn't need much after that. It was like, okay, we're growing. We see each other on camera. This is now our new normal. And I think everyone had gotten used to it by a certain time. And it wasn't until then the conversation started, well, ooh, we're vaccinated. Can we go back to the office? Like, what's the deal there? That thing started to shift. You know, it's so interesting because 
don't remember the days just blur and the times blur. So I say it was yesterday. It could have been three days ago, two days ago, but somebody, there was a conversation or something that I read and, and they said that this remote work will never recreate that ability to be creative and have those water cooler talks where that happened, that you're running somebody walking to the restroom and, and something spurs. And it's true to some extent, but you've just shared three ways that it could still work. You can, yeah. still, you can still do that, which means it's the culture. If your culture only allows creativity and innovation around the water cooler, then it's a water, then it's a culture problem. Right. It's an environment problem. It's not a remote work problem or a hybrid work problem. Right, right. I think the, the only missing piece from there is, you know, like this happened here this week where Mondays for us now, and I'll describe what our, our new normal is, right? So once once I got a good feel for everyone being vaccinated, which really we weren't allowed to be like, are you vaccinated? Are you vaccinated? But people... Pretty widely, I feel who are vaccinated are very happy to tell people like, hey, I'm vaccinated, right? So that was happening. And I was kind of like keeping, I was like, oh, I think we're all vaccinated, guys. Like, this is good. Okay. So now that gave me some freedom to start thinking about what a new work week would look like. For me, balance, I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with balance, right? So the idea that the only two options are work remotely or go back to the office Monday through Friday, nine to five, is like, what's wrong with everybody? <laughs> there are a million options. That's my line. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true, right? It's like, there's so many different things in between there that we can do. And I, I was like, okay, what is the thing that allows for us to hold on to all the things that we like about remote work, right? It does feel good to just get up, take a shower, put on comfy clothes and get to work. That is a luxury that we don't want to throw to the you know wayside forever. But there is a value in having a business conversation in person. Someone walks by that, oh, you know, she can add value to this. Hey, Kristen, come here. And then now there's like a whole nother level of conversation happening. So for me, it was like, how do we get best of both worlds? So I orchestrated a work week that looks like Monday because we always had our Monday morning meeting, full team. Monday is a mandatory in-office day. Everyone who lives in Chicago, because now actually through COVID, we have six employees that don't live in Chicago. They were virtual hires and they have, you know, made, now we've met them once, but during COVID, we hadn't met anyone in real life that were new hires. So Monday, everyone's in the office except the folks who live out of state. Tuesdays and Wednesdays, the office is open, but it's very optional and flowy, right? So like if your manager or your director needs to have that team in, then you're in. But as an individual, you can pick and choose if that's not the case, whether you want to come to the office or not. And then Thursdays and Fridays, the office is closed and everyone's encouraged to work remotely. And so what that does is give you that flexibility as an individual of when you're in the office, when you're not. And even to if you want to work somewhere else, you know, like I joke with folks, I'm like, you can fly to Miami on a Wednesday evening and have and be there Thursday, Friday, Saturday and most of Sunday. 
and work and have a life and then be back in Chicago on Monday for the in-office you know, situation. So it's that balance that I really wanted to give to everybody as a modern, as a, a modern element, right? Because we pride ourselves on being a modern agency. So that means we have to be the ones to come up with the new way of doing things. We normally kind of, I told you we'd be off by 1.30 or 12.30 your time. But if, you're, if you've got a few more minutes, I'd like to take a break and then have you come back yeah. uh, and uh, continue this conversation. Because I think one of the things that you mentioned, and I want to pick this up when we come back, and I know Jason's probably got a few questions as well, is about DEI. I know so many organizations are are taking people back to work and and say, and, and part of our goal this year is to, to have more diversity and inclusion. But that's almost counterintuitive because it then limits so many people that have now have an opportunity to actually work, didn't have an opportunity before. So we'll, we'll talk more about that. And, and it was put as a sidelight. I don't want to let that go because I know that's a strategic goal with so many organizations and they're screwing it up by by their, their, their workplace plans. So we are going to take a, a quick break. We want to thank all our listeners who are part of uh, Googleization Nation. If you're not, please go to Googleization Nation, become part of our community. And uh, we want to thank you for listening to Geek Skeezers and Googleization. We're having a great conversation today with Farissa Knox. Fascinating. So many different topics that I didn't think we were going to cover and that we want to continue that. Uh, And she's agreed to come back after the break. So we're going to take a quick one minute break, listen to our sponsor, and then we'll be right back. So stay tuned. A lot of you might be feeling like you're standing in deep shift, but do you know what grows and rises out of deep shift? Opportunity to successfully navigate the shift to the new normal. Each of us must learn to rapidly adapt to the speed of change. Some of us are hardwired for this, others, not so much. That's where Success Performance Solutions can help. Success Performance Solutions is now your AQ headquarters. Whether you are personally struggling with the next chapter in your career or wondering how ready your team is for fast, disruptive change, our AQ assessment and coaching will provide you a detailed, scientifically-backed roadmap to guide you into the new normal. Optimize your adaptability today. Contact Success Performance Solutions about evaluating your team's change readiness or joining our upcoming AQ Masterclass. Visit SuccessPerformanceSolutions.com or call us at 800-803-4303. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. In the second segment, our guest, Farissa Knox, agreed to uh, continue, and uh, we really appreciate that. So thank you, Farissa. We've been talking about the hybrid workplace a lot of the changes when I left off, we talked about uh, diversity, inclusion, and equity, EI. And, and let's put the equity part to, to the side just a minute, but even diversity, inclusion, the opportunity to continue to work in a remote or a hybrid workplace really allows people to, a lot of women need to be at home because women are still the primary caregivers. So it could be a parent, it could be a child. And you know, with schools the way they are, you know, daycare center, child care is, is at a premium and a scarcity. Uh, disabled people, people of color that may not have had transportation. Or, or it doesn't matter what color you are. There, there are people that are just unable to, to work an hourly job or to get to work or even a professional job. And some people just said, why am I commuting an hour and a half every day? <laughs> so, you know, that was a, it was a silly expense to be able to do that and travel. Uh, so it really opens up so many doors. And, and so I don't think that from conversations that I've seen, I don't think that's being considered. But I know, Jason, you have a you have a question that you've been chomping at the bit to ask. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Farisa, when you were rattling off a lot of the incredible 
ideas and the strategies that you actually implemented there. I was curious, a lot of our listeners, they're also business owners or they might be leaders in their organization. When I have conversations many times with business leaders, sometimes they really do a great job coming up with those ideas of things to do. But then where they really struggle to get traction is, okay, it's decision-making time. What does my decision-making process look like? And so I, I'd love to hear from you and I'm sure our listeners would too. For example, in yours, you said Monday became like a mandatory day where everybody was going to come to the office. What did that decision-making process look like for you and the owner? Were there certain things where you said, I'm going to make an executive decision here, but then there were some other areas where you asked for input and employees? Could you kind of give us a little bit more of, you know, behind the curtain, what that looked like with your team? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I think that, you know, for most people who are, at the the lead the helm we want everyone back in the office right and we're like get back in because there's just so many things that you know you, you can keep track of better right when folks are here but again back to my balance i knew that that wasn't going to be an okay solution so i i my first step in my process was to lean on my team of directors and my executives to say okay what do you guys think about this idea before we decide to ask the rest of the staff and roll it out? Because in that group, there's enough diversity in, you know, parents and, you know, travel time, whether, you know, we're in the city, but there's folks who live in the suburbs. So all of the things that would play into, does this feel good for you? Like, will this be a good next step in how we navigate getting back into the office? And I got guesses from everyone on that executive and director level. And so at that point, I didn't um, roll it out asking the rest of the staff. We rolled it out telling them that this is what we were going to do and why, right? Not just like, and that's a huge, I think that's a huge part of when you are announcing something new that really is changing everyone's life again, right? Because we've all been living through these massive life changes. It's the why behind it that I think gets most people comfortable with it. And it's not just because it's not because you need to be in the office in your chair at 9 a.m. Like that's not the why behind us coming back to the office. The why is we get so much more value out of seeing each other at least once a week, all of us together. The clients get more higher quality output from us we have the ability to, you know, brainstorm and have one-off conversations that wouldn't happen because then I got to send a link and then we got to do this. We're just passing and now something magical happened. So everyone, I got, a, I got head nods on the why. Everyone was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that is important, right? So then when you understand the why, it's easy for you to be like, all right, I'll get on this train on Monday, <laughs> right? I'll do that because those whys also matter to individuals that make up this company. And you get to like hang out with people that you like, right? Like that is an important thing where, especially, you know, younger employees who have might've graduated college and started their professional career during all of this, they don't know, they don't know a lot right? They don't know what it feels like to go to work every day. They don't know the traditional aspects that we have, you know, let, let go of. So there's a lot of learning that still needs to happen that although you're hiring people to do a job, 
there's a lot of learning that can only happen when you're around the other people who know way more than you. And that's one thing that I'm experiencing now where some of our younger folks or just newer folks to the industry that we've bought in over the span of these past 18 months, they get an education that you can't get unless you're here in the office watching your manager or your director or your coworkers or even me do things the way that we do things. I think that's, for us, that's so important. Jason, I can't remember how many weeks ago it was. Two, three weeks ago, we had Daniel Farage and Rosa Beltran on. They were two Gen Z. And, and I remember Danielle saying something that would have been obvious to us if we thought about it, but she just brought it out. You know, she says, I've never worked in an office. Right. She never had to go to work. And she's phenomenal. She's so, I mean, you, you talk about blowing away stereotypes of young people and lazy and not skilled very finesse, but you would never have known it. And we would have never considered it. I've never had to go to work. That doesn't mean she wouldn't. But again, I think that's really important for people to understand that there are people that, you know, never worked remote. And now they, some people never worked in the office. Got a question for you. You have 27 employees, but everybody's vaccinated. So I got a question there. But the other one is when you have your Monday morning meetings, how do you engage? How do you incorporate the six yeah. that aren't there on a regular basis. Yeah, so we have like a big open area that's literally on the other side of this wall that we've kind of created in like a little mini stadium seating. So there's a screen, there's a big you know TV screen that we connect a laptop to and, and we have camera, like we're in the ad agency, so we're very creative, right? <laughs> so we have like a camera that moves and like looks at the person who's talking and the folks who are on Zoom can see the big room they can see all of us and and we have a mic so that they can hear us and so we can see them because we're looking at the tv and each other and they can see us because the camera is is looking at us so we had to i mean that's a whole new you know situation that we had to come up with in order to make the virtual folks feel like they are in the room too because that's another important whether it be employees or you know clients because Although we're back in our hybrid work week, not all of our clients or partners are. Like everyone is in a different phase of this, right? So we needed to be able to pipe in people and have it feel like normal and not have it be where we're all at our individual desk doing a virtual call and not really getting the benefit of being in the same space together. I'm curious and I'm gonna put you on the spot a little bit. This is, this is a topic that's been, I was. Actually, my the article I was interviewed for it was just published yesterday, I think, in in Forbes, with about Mac vax mandates. You said fortunately you tracked it, you didn't enforce it, but everybody was vaccinated, so it changed the conversation. What what's advice to someone who where that doesn't happen? Yeah, yeah, that's rough and tough. I think that like if I were in that situation and I only had a small handful of employees that actually got vaccinated and shared that with me, I would have to think through not a mandate, but some kind of like timeline, right? Because there, there's too much at risk, not obviously our health, but beyond that, there's too much at risk if we're not all on the same page about how we're gonna move forward. The vaccine is just one of the bullet points on being on the same page, right? So I would have had to have a HR approved like meeting 
that really explain, again, back to the why, explaining to people why being vaccinated is important right now. And reminding folks, like, we've all been vaccinated for all the things that have existed before COVID. That's why we're all here, right? So it would have been something on that level where it was sort of like a come to Jesus, why moment of this is why it matters. And if we can, you know, figure out a way for all of us to do this by a certain time frame, then here are the the positive side effects that we'll be able to experience, right? Yeah, after that, I don't even know. I think part of our culture is, you know, we're modern, we're progressive, we're all of these things that most people who fall under these categories have long time ago been vaccinated. Yeah, it, it's uh, well, fortunately, you didn't have to reach that. But I was curious because, again, that that topic is coming up. And the other thing is just deciding whether a company needs to be, you know, just because you make an organizational decision or executive decision or however that decision was made, that people have to come back to work or even everybody has to be here one day a week. And then you lose some of your top talent. Uh, as you brought up philosophically, you want people to be on a share the similar values and be concerned. And there could be medical reasons why. I mean, there there could be religious reasons. There could be exemptions why that happens, and that needs to be taken into into consideration. But you know, the fact is is that a lot of people are requiring people to come back for to work, and and for whatever reason, there are no mandates. There 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 are people that aren't vaccinated, and they don't feel safe. And you know, again, this isn't the environment where you want to lose good people, right. good people when there are alternatives. Hey, we are, I mean, we can talk forever. <laughs> and there's so much that we didn't cover. But want to make sure that people can get in touch with you. And, you know, how can they learn more about you, both the, the advertising and marketing, or if they have some questions about how you evolve, you know, what the, your evolution was, or revolution, maybe. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I like that. I call myself a renaissance woman. Yes. We, no. we have a lot in common. I actually, when I, I moved to Maryland a couple of years ago, there, there was somebody interviewed me as, as a new resident, and then I moved back to Pennsylvania. But when I moved there, the it was a local newspaper, and my title was given the Renaissance Man. So. Cool. <laughs> yes, yes. No, people can find me on, so my website, freesanox.com, has literally everything that is going on in my life right now, business-wise, my book, all of that. But specifically from the ad agency perspective, rlm-media.net is where folks can find out more about really what we do, how we do it, the types of companies we do it for. And yeah, I'm heavy on LinkedIn and Instagram. Those are my two like jams. Uh, Obviously, very (laughs) different groups of people. But from the business perspective, LinkedIn, I love I love the platform and, and Instagram is just beautiful and allows for my creative brain to go crazy. And of course, go up to uh, Amazon or Amazon Prime and, and look up uh, PR Girl. Yes. Uh, there's, there's a bunch of there's some clips up there and some intros on it. Uh, it's fascinating. So, and by the way, I mean, I was I was going to come on with my uh, T-shirt today or my hoodie actually had it because it's 47 degrees outside. So I was going to come out with the uh, the hoodie today and I figured, I can't do that. We're going to talk about to the person who's talking about fashion and appearance. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for dressing up for me. <laughs> I'll tell you what's below the screen. But. <laughs> 
Farissa, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. I know it's a, we scheduled you a while ago and you were, we, we had to reschedule you and I'm very appreciative of your flex, flexibility, talking about flexibility, but we'd love to get you back, continue yeah. this conversation. There's so much you had to, to be able to talk about. And, uh, and please, uh, for the listeners out there, please reach out to Farissa. Yes, I would love to be back. Thank you guys. Thank you for Stay safe. Have a great day. Bye. Jason, we're the guests. Are, I mean, everyone is like, we don't want to let them go. <laughs> I know there's so much. And, and you mentioned the DEI piece. We could have gone down that road too with her. And hopefully we'll get to do that next time. Well, I love to talk to her about recruitment. I mean, you know, she, what, how are they helping company? What's her brand? I mean, we talk about employment brand and messaging and, and yeah. working with healthcare and some of the same industries that we're in and education uh, certainly needs a rebranding uh, of, of itself. And what does that look like? And, and, and the employment experience. So, yeah, we could, we can absolutely, we can go forever. So we have, so now we've got Yoram, we've got Rosa and Danielle just in the last couple of weeks. And now Farissa, we got so much, we can have an all-star panel of, of talking about this. And you know, it's such a fascinating topic, Ira, because, you know, now we're starting to see McKinsey, Deloitte, Harvard Business Review, that article that you shared with me. Mm-hmm. It seems like we're at a period of time now where the pandemic is now about a year and a half around in terms of how how long we've been in it. And now we seem to be at a phase where enough organizations have been trying to figure this work schedule out. Is it hybrid? (laughs) Is it remote? Is it in person? That we're now starting to get these really well done studies by these consulting groups. And what just is really interesting about that three that we just mentioned, the one last week, the one from Deloitte a -hmm. month ago, and the Harvard Business Review one that you shared, the consistency across all three is that unfortunately, women and people of color are the ones where this has hit them the hardest. And what was fascinating from one of these said, women have traditionally been the primary ones in the workplace, even before the pandemic, who have asked for more life work integration. And unfortunately, that has come at a price for them in the end. And unfortunately, you know, the she session, as it's been called too, we're just at a point now where so many women felt like they were in a position where they had to make a choice of, okay, do I give up my career so I can care kids? Or am I in a position in life where I'm also a caregiver? Interesting that these data now are coalescing around that in terms of work schedule. And that unfortunately, unless employers are stepping to the specifically put some life work integration in, beyond even just a flexible schedule that unfortunately these gaps with women in, in the labor market may continue to test. Oh, absolutely. And you said so much there. I just interviewed yesterday for an article on TV, not an article for, for TV spot and was about the trades and, you know, where can people find people and because of a great resignation and the trades are still 90% men. And yet the male participation rate, which we started out the show is declining. So there's less men that are either capable of working or want to go to the trades. They got to change the messaging, the branding, the management style, the leadership style, because there's opportunity for women that could work in construction and the trades and other positions. And that just isn't happening. So there is so much there to unpack, but we are almost out of time. And we want to thank everybody again for listening to Geek Skeezers and Googleization or watching if you're doing this live. And please, if you missed it or you want to hear it again or you want to share this the content from today, 
please either subscribe to the YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash Ira Wolf, or you can go to Geeks to any of the favorite, po- any of the popular podcasts. We're on hundreds of them around the world. Go to Geeks Geezers Googleization and uh, please subscribe and share the information. That would be, we'd really appreciate that. And don't forget to join googleizationnation.com for, and you'll get information there. Until next week, please stay safe and don't let the shift hit your plans.